Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. I'm most grateful to everybody out there who listens wherever in this world you're located. I encourage you to make sure you're signed up for the weekly email newsletter. Oftentimes there are exclusives in there that those who subscribe get to see first. So if you're not currently receiving that, start getting access by putting your email address in the sign-up box on the show website, nhte.net. And yes, it honestly is weekly, meaning I'm only going to send you once a week. There are so many people who I get emails from way more than once a week. So I know how annoying that can get, and so I hope it will mean something to you that you will only get an email from me every Wednesday. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Daytona Beach, Florida, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who has had two number one radio singles and has been awarded as a triple platinum selling songwriter. In 2008, on the famed Ryman stage, He was awarded first place in the Colgate Country Showdown, beating out 50,000 artists from all over the United States. Present day, he performs live with his wife across a variety of locations, including having played recently from Key West, Florida, all the way up to Vermont and Maine, with upcoming dates in California and in late July at the second Lake Martin Songwriters Festival, among others. Plus, the two of them are extremely active live streaming on Twitch, where they have over 18,000 followers. Meanwhile, all of their top five songs on Spotify have been streamed 35,000 or more times each. You've been hearing an original song of his called Be Somebody. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Johnny Bulford. Howdy, Bruce, and howdy, everybody. Good to be here. Yes. Thank you, Johnny. It's great to meet you and have you on the show. Let's start off by having you tell the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Be Somebody, especially since I was talking over it and they couldn't hear the lyrics. Well, um, Be Somebody is is uh, it's one of those songs that uh, we're happy exists. You know, it, we, we, wanted, we, we knew when we started it, uh, Heidi had a, a friend, Robin, who had this idea that she wanted to write with us. And, and the whole point of it was she wanted to have a song she could play for her little girl to let her know that, there's more to life than, you know, being an Instagram influencer or, or, you know, or getting that kind of attention. Like there's there's more important things out there uh, than fame, really. And uh, and there's a lot of good you can do even without fame or notoriety. And and uh, yeah, the song just challenges uh, people to uh, I mean, the hook just says uh, you don't have to be somebody to be somebody. And uh, and it means anybody can help anybody. I like All that. I like yeah. that. I can just kind of see that moment when you or whoever came up with that hook came up with it and just kind of like rejoice, stand up, throw your hands up in the air. That's it. That's it. Right. Right. Robin, Robin, I'm sure she did because when she when she told me the idea and me and Heidi, we both did the that's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it was 
I mean, I got to give Robin credit for that. She just nailed it on that title. And, and it that's one of those songs that kind of writes itself. You you just got to stay out of the way of it and, and, and not mess it up, you know? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Let's do some background setting here. There's a story that you've probably told a hundred times that unfortunately I'm going to have you tell now for the hundred and first time. <laughs> but A, there are going to be folks hearing this episode of Now Hear This Entertainment who are just being introduced to you for the first time but also, B, I think there's actually a teaching moment in this. The story goes that when you were just 12 years old, you went to a concert and told your mom, that's what I want to do. So not only do I want you to tell that story in your own words, but where I think there's a lesson is, come on, 12 years old. I think when I was that age, I made up my mind that I wanted to be Superman. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do in terms of really taking action and following through to make sure that your dream became a reality? Well, it's funny you say Superman. The The, the thing that caused me uh, to think that was I went to a Garth Brooks concert, right? So, and I don't know if you've ever seen one of his concerts, but he flies around the stadium like Superman. <laughs> yes. He has uh, the wires and stuff, or at least he did back then. And uh, he was on a sevens tour. I mean, there's it's a long story made really short here. My grandfather toured Paris in the 30s in a jazz band. He was a very accomplished, very talented musician. And um, my mom also sang in a band uh, when she was younger. And and it was so it was in the family on my mom's side. And grandpa passed when I was about 12 or 13 because this 12 year old thing, it's it's 12, 13 that around that age. I think I was turning 13 mm -hmm. and um, grandpa had just passed. Uh, music was huge on that side of the family. I my uncle on the other side of the family had an extra ticket to a Garth concert. So mm. he brought me to the Garth concert. We're in the nosebleed section. And that's the thing about a Garth concert, even when you're all the way up there <laughs> on the roof or whatever he's still performing for you. And I was like, this is amazing. This guy mm. took this entire room and, and turned it on its head. And, 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 you know, Garth's one of the best entertainers of all time. So, um, I was watching the best and, and it just made me think that that looks like an, an amazing thing to do. Mm. Um, what I, what I then did to be proactive is I, I, uh, asked granny, well, I asked for a guitar, so Granny got me a guitar, mm. and uh, and then I started learning songs that my family members wanted me to learn. And one day, uh. yeah, one day someone said, "Why don't you try writing?" And I was like, "What? You know, I can't do that." <laughs> and and it wouldn't get out of my head the whole day. And three o'clock in the morning, I'm in the the quiet. I'm trying to get as far to the other side of the house as I could, and songs just started spewing mm. <laughs> out of me. Wow. And they never stopped, and wow. I never slept again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well, in the intro, I mentioned about winning the Colgate Country Showdown, but I think there's also a good testament to perseverance there right. because what I left out was the fact that that wasn't your first time entering that competition, which really mirrors what a performer can expect if they want to get into the entertainment business, meaning handling rejection but getting right back up after you get knocked down. Yeah, I mean, it, there is a lot of perseverance, especially with that story, because when I entered the competition, and this is nothing against um, that competition. It's it's all competitions in general. Um, the, the local rounds were very, 
kind of political, you know, and when I started, this is to your perseverance point. Um, when I started doing the competition, I realized there was a guy who had done the competition six times mm. and all the judges knew who he was. And he was, you know, he was kind of the, the shoe in at the, at the local level, you know what I mean? And, um, and so I'm like competing going, am I going to beat this? Guy? And then I realized I'm like, Oh man, that's not, fair but i can't do anything to change that mm. so i need to become that guy you know wow so cut to i think i did the competition three times three years in a row and um yeah i i, I just stuck with it and and by the time you know third year in i was kind of that shoe in on the local level now then you also had states and regionals and and nationals to then get through but just getting past that local level uh, hurdle was was huge for me uh, back in the day. Well, and I would imagine that as much as you just described that you were really hooked when you were 12 and saying like, hey, this is something I want to do. And all of a sudden you are writing after all. This is a whole new world. You go into this Colgate Country showdown and you don't win. And something had to move you to say, I'm not going to quit because I think it would be easy to say, well, this stinks. Forget it. I'm not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Her name's Rhonda. It's my mom. Ah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I was pretty well motivated. I like to think of myself as a romantic and super artistic and all that stuff, but I was very realistic back then too. I was in college. I was doing well in school. I saw a pathway to, and not an easy, you know, well, a, a a more certain life, you know what I mean? Where I have a job and I have a retirement and I have insurance and all that stuff. Mm. And I saw that pathway and I was like, I should take that one. I should go that way. And something else, including the people in my life who knew that music was so important to me, um, something else would kept pushing me in the other direction. Um, one of the things like I was on the last year I did the Colgate, I was done with the Colgate. I was like, I, I don't want to get my heart broken again. Uh. I don't understand this. And my mom made, you know, she just brought me there and said, you're doing this one more time, one more year, give me one more year. And, uh, and she, she was doing that because she knew how much I wanted it and that I was trying to be responsible. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She's like, this is no time for being responsible. Chase your dreams one more day. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> which you don't get that out of a parent very often. No, I you know. know. <laughs> I was very lucky for her to go. Will you forget about college for a second and go sing some songs? All right. What is with uh, you and those dumb books? Come on, yeah, this guitar is calling your name. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she pushed me in that direction uh, that day, and I'm so glad she did because uh, it was. From that on, it was like that was the the icebreak. That was I busted through, and and from there on, everything was coming up aces for a while uh, in a lot of ways. So at college, it sounds to me like you were not studying music in college. No, I I well I'm following the Garth path uh, again. I studied business and marketing, and uh, I liked humanities a lot. I love history, so I studied a lot of that, and and uh, I studied. Uh, English and literature and all that. I was fascinated with all that stuff. So, hmm. I mean, my real college thing, it, it took me a minute to focus because I I did well in school. I did well on my, my SATs and stuff. Um, I've been a bookworm and a, a nerd for a long, for my whole life. So, um, did well in school and, and 
And um, I had the scholarship, so I did it. But I was also touring at the same time in Florida. So that was really hard for me to balance. Mm. And uh, as a result, I wasn't like tackling a hard uh, schedule at school. I was just picking classes that were that I enjoyed uh, I initially. I so then I when I finally focused, it turned out I had like a degree in humanities and history. And but I, I focused on on uh, on business and marketing at that point. And and, and here's what's terrible about it. I'm, I'm a horrible example. Well, I'm a poster child for musicians uh, making mistakes and stuff. <laughs> but I had one class left and I didn't finish school. I, I oh, just went on. I know. Wow. wow. You I sound know. you actually sound more like a professional athlete than than a musician <laughs> because you hear about those guys all the time. Right. that, And he finally went back and finished his last class and got his degree. And by the way, did I mention that he's 42 years old? And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> he played in the NFL for X amount of years or the NBA for X amount of years. So, well, okay, so then while you're doing all that, set the record straight for us now on something else. Do you live in Daytona Beach or do you live in Nashville or do you split time between the two? Because I know after that Colgate Country showdown, you packed up and left Central Florida and headed up to Tennessee to really immerse yourself in Music City. So what does all that look like? So I I did. I moved up there. We won the Colgate in the 2009 year, which was actually January 2010 is when I won it. And by the end of 10, I was in Nashville with a pub deal at Warner Warner Chapel, so which is Warner Brothers uh, Publishing Company. So the the trip to that, you know, the path to that was Rhonda shows up again. Mom was there, too, for that. We we were in uh, Nashville at the Hard Rock. I was doing a show with Love and Theft at the time. And it was a part of I think it was during. Oh, it was during CMA week or Fan Fest or Fan Fanfare or whatever they used to call it. And I, I came out of Hard Rock after my show and my mom's standing on the sidewalk talking to um, another lady. And I was like, hey, what's up? And I noticed that they're. They're both doing the like, my son does this, and, my, and they're both bragging on their sons, right? Uh-huh. Oh, here he is yeah. right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, Here's Johnny. Which I've walked into many a conversation <laughs> where my mom is bragging on me, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's 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 awkward, but I, you know, uh-huh. it, but uh, I enter the com- conversation. Did I and, forget my jacket inside and turn around? <laughs> yeah. and mom's doing it again. <laughs> I'm like, okay, she's only at eighth grade in the story. I'll come back when she's at least at high school, you know. But, uh, but no, they, they, uh, it turns out, um, the, the lady my mom was talking to recognized me from the Colgate thing. She's like, you just won the Colgate. And I'm like, yeah. Mm. And she goes, you should come sing some songs at my son's, uh, fan club party. And I'm in my head, I'm going fan club party, downtown Nashville at the convention center. Who's your son? <laughs> you know? yeah. And, uh, it was Chris Young. So mm. it was uh, Chris Young's mom is who my mom was talking to. Wow. So. I got to play Chris Young's fan club party and halfway through my set, Chris stopped signing autographs and he came and, and listened to the rest of my set and, and then invited me to hang out with him and his friends afterwards. Whoa. And he was very instrumental in securing that publishing deal for me. He helped, you know, create the buzz because that's what mm-hmm. the industry is, is a lot of buzz. You create some hype and buzz and, and then things, things happen. If you're, if it's very passive and you're just waiting for your songs to get you there on your own, sometimes that's just not enough, even if they're the best songs ever. Um, but yeah, Chris helped create that buzz and, and I'm forever grateful 
to him for that, uh, for getting me, getting my foot in the door and getting, basically he took, I had a few publishing company interests and he turned them into 13 offers on the table Mm. in a bidding war, which, which he knew how to do because he's been in the industry. I mean, and now I know how to do that as well, but I didn't at the time. I was just, I guess a big fish in a small pond now thrown into the ocean, right? (laughs) Well, here's something that I love about that story, and then I'm going to come back around and have you finish up so you can tell us how you're in Daytona Beach. But what I love about that story is, yes, it's the exception to the rule. When I go out and I talk to college classes, I say, look, when I finished my internship, like I graduated and I got offered a job to go work for a National Hockey League team. It doesn't work that way. Don't expect them to offer you a job at the end of your internship. And so as much as we all know that in the music business, you never know who might be in the audience. In this case, it was you never know who might be in the quote unquote parking lot. And here's your mom talking to Chris Young's mom. It leads to what you just described. And so it is possible. So I just like the story because of the non-traditional route, as well as what it speaks to about him, that he decided, I'm interested in this guy's music enough that I'm going to help this Johnny person. So yes, as much as you have to be present, as much as you have to put in your time, as much as you have to get the reps and do everything that we hear about in the music business, it's really nice to hear that you had zero connection to Chris before your mom had that conversation with his mom. And it all just happened organically and all because he enjoyed and believed in you. Right, right. And and it, I mean, that's the, the lesson I tell people too, that when they when people ask me, how did you get there? How do you make this happen? The only, when I break it down to its simplest thing, I sing, there's a point in my life and my career that if somebody wanted me to sing somewhere, I did it every time. No, no excuses, no nothing. Mm -hmm. You want to hear me sing? I'm performing. And that no questions asked. Now, and, and it took me 20 years, but I'm more selective now on where and when I sing than I used to be. But initially, yeah, you don't turn stuff down. You never know which one of those things is going to be the thing that mm. gets you your foot in the door somewhere. Like, you know, before that, I was working with, um, tra- I mean, another part of that, another section of that was I was working with Transcontinental Records down here in Orlando. They're the ones, you know, Lou Pearlman and all the boy band stuff. I was in that world. And that was spawned off of another situation where I was just singing at somebody's house and they wow. knew a person who knew a person. And, wow. you know, it, it's just um, and that's the way you're, you're really testing or if you have the thing or not, if you have the thing that can get you into the industry or not, is, is you play for people and and eventually somebody's going to recognize it. You that's know? right. And that's right. Yeah. So then Daytona Beach. So do you live there now? Do you live in Nashville? Do you live in both? What's the story? Well, thanks to computers and fiber internet, I, I would say that I we live in both. But physically, we're <laughs> we're in Daytona. I'm back. I'm back in Florida. I'm back by the beach. I'm back to tanned and 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 <laughs> happy and fishing. You know all that stuff. Not that I wasn't happy in Nashville, but it's for a Florida boy that's landlocked. I'm yeah. nowhere near the ocean. Yeah, there, exactly, you know? exactly. And, but uh, and plus the you know the gloomy months. Uh, definitely wore on me a little bit up there when when it was be you know gray skies and stuff. I yeah. tell people I know why country music's sad because <laughs> <It's laughs> of those eight months when, when it's cold or or seven months. But 
But no, I, I loved it up in Nashville. We we still get up there every now and again. But for the most part, we still follow our, our writing schedule. We just write on Zoom. Okay. And uh, I, in my opinion, the audio quality is even better. I can I can throw some verb on if you want, you know, and uh, <laughs> and really dress up dress up the right and and then get right to recording too because I'm sitting in my in my studio. Well, you did spend a lot of time there though. Let, let's make sure we're clear about that. And and clearly it was being present and getting a publishing deal and doing all that writing in Nashville that eventually led to the success I mentioned back in the intro. Talk about the cuts that you have had that I was alluding to at the start of the show. Right. So, uh the first the first thing that happened and I'm glad I'm so glad it went this way. It's a, it's a song that I wrote about my dad with Chris Young and uh, Robert Arthur. So that other leg that I was saying, the transcontinental intro, they introduced me to Charlie Craig in Nashville, who's a big songwriter. He's no longer with us, but he was, he's got Johnny Cash cuts, Elvis Presley cuts. Mm. He wrote um, Alan Jackson's uh, Wanted and Tropical Depression. You know, he, he was a big writer back in the day and, I had an intro with him, and through him, I met a songwriter and studio musician named Robert Arthur. And Robert is incredible, and he taught me how to co-write. He did so much for me, uh, including bringing an idea called Flashlight to the room with me and Chris Young. And I, you know, I had this right because me and Chris are now friends, and I wanted to repay Robert for everything he'd done for me by getting him, you know, an artist, right? These are these mm. are what you're looking for as a writer. And we get in the room and Robert brings it. He goes, I don't know what this song is, but um, I know it's called Flashlight and it's about working on the car with your dad. Wow. And his hook was like holding the flashlight, right? So me and Chris, who are, we're both, um, you know, bookworms and video game nerds and comic book nerds, that kind of stuff. Um, as well as jocks and, and mechanics and stuff, you know, because of uh, the way our dads raised us. Um, but we, we both went, oh, we know how to write this, you know. And and we kind of created this story of of a kid who's working on the car with his dad. And he might be distracted thinking about the book he's reading or, or the next level of Zelda he's trying to beat, right? <laughs> But dad's trying to teach him how to work on a car and it starts off, you know, it says, you say, son, hold it still. Keep that beam shining straight, you know, and he's just saying, hey, you're, you're starting to drop the flashlight. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the whole point of the song is we might not know how to completely rebuild an engine, but we learned a whole lot about life because mm. dad was talking the whole time. He was telling you, you know, and, and that's what the stories in the song are about so is what cool. what I did learn holding the flashlight so and, cool. and the hook goes. And to this day, I still can't make them run right, but I sure did learn a lot holding the flashlight. So, nice. and that, yeah, and that that one, um, that was my very first major label cut on uh-huh. Chris, and uh, love that it was about my dad because I I was, my parents had me young. I wasn't exactly planned or expected, and uh, and dad went straight to work and and just was the best dad, uh, provided for the family and and let his dreams. Um, you know, let his dreams go mm. in a lot of ways. He was um, racing and and uh, and beating Jeremy McGrath in motocross back in the day. So um, he was on his way to being a a successful motocross 
uh, racer and I showed up and that's why I, it's kind of cool that he's the reason I got to follow my dreams yeah. and I yeah. love that my first cut was about him and, yeah. and, uh, and yeah. And then, and then, so, uh, after that, uh, another introduction by Chris Young, uh, uh, I was sitting at a bar with Chris and, and he introduced me to John Stone who, uh, it, long story, I'm going to try to make this as quick as I can. I meet John. John goes, hey, man, we should write sometime, you know, which is the most common thing said <laughs> in Nashville. And I go, yeah, my Tuesday just opened up because my other good friend who I could tell four hours of stories about, Phil Barton, um, is Australian. And he had to cancel on our Tuesday because he was going to be back in Australia. Mm. So he canceled our Tuesday. I go, man, I actually have Tuesday open if you have it open. And John's like, I do too. Wow. And it was like, perfect. All right, let's do it. So we meet on like a Friday or something, and then we have a write for that Tuesday. So I, I show up to the, or I, I wake up that morning for the Tuesday write, and and Phil Barton calls me and says, hey, are we still good for today? And I go, you canceled. And he goes, yeah, but I'm still in the country, you know. Ooh. And he didn't think I would have filled the day that quick. Ooh. So I go, well, um, yeah, man, I already got another right. I'm sorry. And he goes, well, where is it? And I go, well, at Warner. And he goes, what time? And I go, 11. He goes, cool, I'll see you there. And I oh. go, I go, Phil, no, I got to, you know, it, he, you know he just, we, we're good friends. And he was kind of joking. I'm like, let me call John and see if I can swing it. And I called John. John's completely fine with it. He's like, yeah, more the merrier. So we get into the right, and John's playing this little lick, um, this really cool guitar lick, and we just start riffing on this song, and we get the bones of it down pretty quick. Like, the first verse and chorus happens pretty quick, mm. and then the rest of it takes eight hours. Oh, boy. Well, it's a cor- the ch- chorus changes every time, and the problem with those kind of songs is you need to write a great chorus, and then you need to write a better chorus. Wow. And then you need to write a an even better chorus. So, Mm. um, so that took all day and we get home or I, so afterwards I need to blow off some steam. So I went out to, I probably met up with Chris somewhere at a bar and we were hanging out and, and by the time I got home from the bar that night, there was a version of Lee Bryce singing that song I wrote that day in my inbox. Whoa. So, right. That's exactly what I said. And I, so I called John, I'm like, Whoa, you know, (laughs) he goes, I go, what is this about? You know, and he goes, Lee loves it. He's cutting for the record. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like, really? And, and th- now, mind you, all I've had so far is an album cut with Chris, you know, this yeah. flashlight. Yeah. And I've been told over and over, please do not believe everything you hear. You know, there's going to be a lot of promises that are broken or, or just don't come to, you know, re- or they don't come to fruition. So guard your heart and don't believe it until it's back mm. then it was until it's on the Walmart shelves. Now uh-huh. it's until it's on Spotify or <laughs> streaming platform. But, um, but so I, I was very cautious. I'm like, okay. And I tried to just put it out of my head, but I was convinced. I mean, they cut it for the record the next day. Wow. And then I saw you, someone showed me a YouTube video of Lee Bryce at a huge concert announcing this song. Oh my gosh. Next single. <laughs> And I'm going, what? I'm getting a single, you know, like this is happening. And um, yeah, that that ended up being A Woman Like Crazy. You. It was Lee, Lee Bryce's first number one. And it was all of our first number ones as writers. Mm. And John Stone's first number one as a as a producer. So it was 
it was just a huge song all the way around for for everybody and and i even snuck in you know my dad uh raced motorcycles i snuck in the dirt bike stuff wow. um, it's, it talks about offshore fishing there's a lot mm. of florida stuff in that song too so it's it, so it, I really, cool. yeah, it, it, it so was cool. epic, <laughs> you know, changed my life for sure. And there was one more cut then too. Yes. Yeah. So, well, there's a, a short, well, a couple years after that, I was writing with, um, an amazing writer who just taught me a lot. Jason Matthews. Uh, we wrote every Monday and, um, he wrote, must be doing something right. And, and country man for Luke Bryan and a, ton of Luke Bryan cuts and and then a bunch of other songs too. He's an incredible songwriter. And and, and Laura Veltz, who was also uh, in, in my, we'll say in my grade or my class uh, of writer uh, on our way up in, in the industry. And, and we wrote a, a song about uh, just a scenario at a bar where a guy uh, sees a girl that he likes. And, and I love songs that take place in a very small amount of time, but you, you're able to, squeeze every bit of juice out of the mm, you know mm-hmm. the orange or whatever and and so this song is really about just a like a two minute period where a guy sees a girl in a bar he likes her and he hopes she talks to him like that's literally what the song's about <laughs> and it's called it's called lonely eyes and it was a single on chris young and that was that was my second one um and then the rest are all album cuts and and, and stuff but those were the two big yeah. Big radio so thing. So cool. So cool. Audience, are these stories just so fantastically entertaining and, and insightful? <laughs> How amazing. And actually, the congratulations continue for Johnny because not only has he had success with the songs that you've been hearing him talk about, but he has gotten some high-level recognition as well, including, among others, an ACM Song of the Year nomination. Johnny, talk about that and the other honors that you have received. So, yeah, the the nomination, here's a funny thing that people don't realize about nominations is, so A Woman Like You was our first radio single, and for writers, you don't, like, like Flashlight was awesome, but it was an album cut, and the way deals are set up is a lot of that money went towards paying back my draw mm-hmm. um, with the publishing company. So I didn't really see a money bump from that album cut. I would have had albums still been selling like they did in the 90s mm. but that's that's a whole nother, whole nother topic you could do a whole <laughs> podcast just on, on on that so um but yeah the the what they don't tell you is that you get a nomination to go to a show that's in vegas that you have to buy a suit for and plane tickets and all that but you don't get paid on your songs for like eight or nine months so you still don't have any money, but you have to go <laughs> to a place where you need money to go to, right? So, so we we I, I go out to um to Vegas for the awards, um, incredible experience. You know, I get to sit in the front part because I'm might win an award, and and there's seat filler people, and there's this whole other thing at a, at an event where I've never done before where I, if I get, have to get up and go to the bathroom, somebody has to sit in my seat, you know, and it's just, <laughs> you feel like you're like, Oh man, I'm, I'm in the big time. This is really <laughs> cool. Um, we ended up, uh, we were nominated for song of the year with, in a couple of awards. And I think we lost one of them was to, uh, Blake Shelton and Miranda's du- a duet of theirs. And then the other one was, was uh, Springsteen by Eric Church. Mm. So 
you know, and I, you know, I've forgiven all of them for, for that. No, <laughs> for that, but no, uh, it was, there was a lot of great songs that year. I was just so happy to be there and considered, but they give you a lot of pieces of paper for a hit song, right? You, a lot, there's a lot of organizations in Nashville that, that want to recognize your hit. So, um, out of all of those, there's a few that are pretty cool that I, I did manage to win. And one of them is the top 10 songs I wish I'd written. That's probably my favorite award. Mm. And uh, it's because it's voted on by the Hall of Famers. Mm. So, yeah, the, the Country Music Hall of Fame songwriters all vote on the top 10 songs that year that they wish they had written. And we we won that. So, so um, cool. that is a cool one, you know. And, and uh, yeah, it was just a re- really cool thing to hang up on the wall i guess and and then of course the bmi awards if you if you've ever been to a publishing office and you see the walls lined in all the publishing companies hits it's those bmi awards i i, I would see every time i visited nashville and now i have some of them you know that's so awesome. those that one's really cool too. that's awesome that's awesome i'm joined today on the now hear this entertainment guest line from daytona beach florida by singer songwriter guitar player johnny bulford Visit his official website at johnnybulford.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on his website, you'll find links to engage on social media. But let me give you this secret. If you just hit the one for Instagram, you'll find a link tree that has a ton of online destinations for all that he is doing alongside his wife. Their Twitch channel, which we'll be talking about shortly, their music on Spotify, and even a link for the website for the two of them where you can then access their schedule of where and when you can go see them perform live, including, as you heard me say back in the intro, the second Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in July in Alabama. This is the time of year when some people start new projects, either because of the change in the weather and or because the school year is ending. If you have had your eye on starting a podcast of your own, Let me help you get that off the ground. I've been doing this show every week for more than eight years now, and you can and should benefit from all my experience. I speak about podcasting at events around the country, but can talk one-on-one with you to get you the help you want rather than you just, say, watching some video from someone you've otherwise never heard of and they are talking at and not with you. Send me an email at podcast at nhte.net and let's schedule a time for a private video consultation to discuss the podcast you would like to do or even one that you might already be doing but could use some help with. Johnny, I've mentioned your wife enough times that I want to give you an opportunity here to talk about Johnny and Heidi. For openers, when did you two get married? Because I saw pictures on Instagram for earlier this year and what was referred to as a honeymoon, yet I also thought I saw something about a third anniversary uh, but then also, please, you know, t- talk about you and her as a musical duo instead of, quote unquote, just husband and wife. Right. So, yeah, I mean, if you go to my you if you go to my website and all that stuff, everything should be pointing everyone towards the Johnny and Heidi socials, which it's it we're just Johnny and Heidi everywhere. Twitch, Instagram, Facebook, all that is it. it, it we're lucky in that regard we, that there were no other Johnny and Heidi's before. <laughs> us. But but we met man, we met at a songwriters festival in Kentucky and we, we played around together and apparently the chemistry was, was so 
present, it was gross. Like everybody in the audience is like, what's going on here? And we, we weren't quite sure what was going on either because we, mm. I mean, we weren't doing anything wrong, but at the time, both of us were in failing relationships, like mm. long-term failing relationships that okay. we were, un, we were unhappy in. Right. And didn't do anything wrong. Didn't cross any lines. We just happened to click really well on stage during this, this songwriters round. Okay. And, um, in fact, Heidi's ex was, was there Ooh. and yeah. <laughs> and, and afterwards he was, you know, he was just like, what's going on? And she's like, what are you talking about? But apparently everyone saw it, but us. Right. Mm. And, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. She was one of those people that you meet and you know, like, uh, like I, I knew, I didn't realize that we were clicking that well from both sides, but I knew I, I had met some, someone that I, I just wanted to be around forever. Right. Mm. And, um, and that's a weird thing to do when you're trying to navigate a, a, a failing relationship. Right. <laughs> so, um, I, and you, you know, it was just a little flash in the pan kind of a moment too, in that round. So, it, you know, you don't want to put too much stock in it but y'all it was also so strong that i couldn't let it go yeah and um but we you know completely behaved um we we it was professional we set up a couple of rights and all that stuff but it wasn't a few more months that we were able to get out of the relationships we were in and and um yeah there was a moment where she had called and said she needed uh oh she needed help with she she's from Canada, right? So she needed people to vouch for her so she could go apply for her her visa again, which this mm -hmm. is just normal stuff. And and if and, and she said that it, it would help because I had songs on the radio, it would uh. help her get her visa. And, and, you know, she had a few other hit writers, too, that were signing the stuff. And so we hadn't talked in a, in, in a few months, um, uh, but she called and said, can you you know, write a little paragraph and sign it. And I was like, absolutely. Just stop by Warner. I've I, no problem doing that. That would be great. So she came by and I signed the thing. And as she's walking away, I, I just blurted out. I broke up with my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, Oh, well, um, we, we should, uh, yeah, like, like I should buy you a drink sometime. Wow. And, and it was a joke she made. Because there was a BMI event that we that she was going to where drinks are free. She's like, you should come to this event and I'll buy you a drink. Ah. And I was like, ha ha, because, yeah, they're free there. <laughs> so we went to that event together and um, that was it. I mean, four months later, we were engaged and 10 months later, we were married. And it was a when you know, you know. I mean, I, I was at the point where I had dated all the wrong stuff and I knew what the wrong stuff was so well that I could recognize everything I needed when I saw it, which I think that's why you date and date and date is so that you're, it's process of elimination. So that when the right one comes along, you go, that's it. I can see it. That's a hundred percent it. And luckily that's the position we were in. And okay. So let's timestamp some of these. So, so when did you actually get married? And then when did you go from being husband and wife to, Oh, now we're a musical duo. So, Oh no. Uh, I, I can't blink on this. I know what our anniversary is. It's February 26th and we've been together. We've been married for three years. Oh, okay. Okay. So we just hit our third year, but you know, there's, 
there was a couple of weird years in there, you know, <laughs> and uh, the, the whole pandemic thing yeah. made it to where a honeymoon was less. The way we thought about it is Heidi had a lot of family coming down from Canada to the wedding in Florida. And uh, they were all going to Disney after the wedding to try to make the most of the trip. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, let's go do that and not go on a honeymoon. I see. I, all your family's down here. Let's go hang out with them and we'll just postpone the honeymoon. I see. Well, shortly after a pandemic hit and... Uh, <laughs> and so, COVID said, you're going to postpone it until 2022, actually. <laughs> exactly. So I so see. we did, we finally took it and, uh, and uh, yeah, it was, it's just awesome, man. I... I we we got our relationship tested really quick with a pandemic with um i mean uh, when the pandemic hit like during all of that the stream took off and we were working all the time we were able to let our our publishing deals go and mm. uh yeah and then move move to florida during all that heidi surprised me with with the move home she was like she could tell that i just i got young nephews that i would you know i wanted to be around and and you know, I wanted to be around my my family and and um, and also Florida is a place that her family is more likely to visit. Yeah, <laughs> it turns <yeah>. out. <laughs> but I want to jump in here because there's something that you started to mention that I want to make sure we spend some time talking about. So let me go back to the fact that you mentioned live streaming in there because I want to have you talk about all the live streaming that the two of you are doing on Twitch because I really have not had a ton of guests talk about that platform. So when I do get someone on who's using it regularly like the two of you are, it's good to hear what you like, what you don't like, how you've built up such a huge audience of more than 18,000 followers and everything else that goes with what the two of you are doing on Twitch. Yeah, so I... I'm a, a gamer nerd, and uh, and I watched Twitch for a long time. I, I I was fascinated by the whole concept of watching people game and 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 the gamers being able to make a living doing that. Because you know, before that, there was no way to make a living playing video games. But the way I I, I explain it to people who don't understand it is, I'm like, well, at some point, basketball was just a game, and you know, people who like to play basketball like to go watch people who play basketball. Really uh, okay. Right. That makes sense. They, and you're like, this is the superstar of the thing that I like to do. And so the game, that's the best way I can break down gaming is, is it's something that people like to do and they like to watch people who are really good at it. Yeah. So, um, or they're really funny while it's just, so take the the globetrotters so they're really funny and talented yeah so that's another way you could be you could be a really funny gamer or whatever so yeah. um i knew that there was a music directory on twitch okay but i didn't know i mean i didn't know how you know if it would work uh applying what we do to it so i found out about a site called mixer that was owned by microsoft and the barriers to entry seemed a little easier. It was a smaller, uh, platform. Uh, I, I, it made more sense to me. It seemed like I could figure out a way to get in and do well in that industry where Twitch was this huge, huge platform with millions and millions and millions of people on it. Mm. And I didn't know what to do with that one. So we started on Mixer and, uh, did really, really well. I mean, we, we, blew up pretty quick and had a big following and, and the support was coming in. So we were, it was replacing our incomes, you know, in a, in a way. And, mm. and we were, we, we were seeing a, a way 
a path towards living anywhere we wanted to, right? Uh, which, okay. Which that's the dream, right? When you, when you, we, I know so many writers in Nashville who move to Nashville, they hit it big and then they move home and they have writers come to them to write and work. That was always my dream is to set up some satellite place in Florida where my, my favorite writers can come gotcha. have a beach week and write songs. Gotcha. So we're streaming on Mixer and Mixer closes one day, just mm. done. Um, and uh, we're like, whoa, uh, you know, what are we going to do? Luckily, we had on socials, we had a lot of our viewers that were committed, um, followed us. So we said, I guess we're moving over to Twitch, everybody. Okay. Please come follow us. And and we had, you know, I have 12, 15,000 or whatever on Mixer. And all we were able to move over with was like a couple thousand people. Ooh. And which, you know. They were active people, so they were in the in and out of the chat all the time. Um, but we've rebuilt that now to almost or maybe eighteen and a half thousand or something like yeah. that now, and and it's been it's been great. It's been even even better over here in a lot of ways, um, and we just love it. So yeah, our our whole existence now, our our job is three days a week: Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. We do a show that starts at six uh, Eastern, and we we just chat and tell stories and a lot of like a lot of like a, a podcast i would guess with but we just we perform songs in between it too yeah and um and we we do a four to sometimes 12 hour show depending oh my gosh on, i know it's wild i never thought i'd do that long of a show but you're sitting there hanging out with a lot of cool funny people and, and time gets away from you and you'll be like oh heidi it's two o'clock in the morning we need to go to bed <laughs> Well, let's talk about when you're not on camera. Let's talk about out in person. When when I was mentioning about the website and what the audience will be able to find online, I mentioned live dates. Can you talk about touring as well as even some of the singles that you're releasing since obviously that's a big part of what you're promoting when you are out performing live? Yeah, so everything we do now is all in-house. We record all our singles here at the house and and uh and write them all here and and our touring schedule is, it's a lot of house parties in private events and uh, with the occasional listening room or or small theater uh, here and there. And of course we do, we do the small theater, like the, the more desirable shows in the markets that we're better known. And then in other markets where we're trying to bust into that market, um, it, we might do the occasional cover gig with some you know with some uh originals peppered in there just trying to get a fan base in that area but yeah our our weekends we stream during the week and then friday saturday sunday we're typically gigging uh somewhere you know and and we still we also still do all the week-long music festivals and you know, I got a couple avenues towards like um, Napa gigs and Sacramento festivals and uh, New England and a lot of Florida festivals and stuff. Um, but yeah, on our site, it says we're all we are. And I, I'm pretty sure we also let people know if, if it's private or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but our favorite show is to grab our Bose stick um, speaker system and plop it down in someone's backyard. And, and do we do an intimate sort of like a writer's round where me and Heidi go back and forth and tell mm. Nashville stories and a lot like the bluebird in, in Nashville or yeah, the listening room. Very cool. And it is a lot of fun. That that type of show is growing uh, a lot in, in the country and, and 
more and it used to be we'd have to explain what the show was and we're getting more and more people go yeah i've been to the bluebird you know so nice nice thank you nashville the tv show. <laughs> <laughs> well on, on a related note speaking of performing live i will actually get to see you and heidi perform at the end of july when we are all at the second lake martin songwriters festival in alabama i know that you're grateful for all the opportunities that you're talking about here that you get to be on stage anywhere but I've got to believe that an event like that is just really special for you to be a part of. It is the, it's the best, like the writer's fest. Well, obviously that's where we met. It was at a writer's festival, but it's so nice to be around our, our friends. Like I know Brian White is playing, uh, and and his wife, Karen are are playing the event too. So we're going to get to see them. We're going to see other writers and be around them and, and talk shop and all that stuff. And also it's, it's, it's the events where, where we get the that that captive audience that a writer's round needs for it to go well, you know what I mean? Like, you can't you, you can't do a writer's round as background noise. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't it doesn't look good or sound good when someone's going back in in 2017. I wrote this song and and it's just you hear people going, "Can I get a Bud Light?" and it's just screaming <laughs> all through the room. It's just it doesn't work. So um, it it is nice to do those those shows where songwriting lovers song, they like to hear about how a song is crafted um, where they come and they, they're paying attention and wanting to hear the stories and, and stuff. That was, they're, they're the, our favorite is playing those festivals for sure. Yeah. And folks, Lake Martin songwriters is where you can go for more information on that event. Johnny, before we start wrapping this up, let's come full circle. Now, this is so cool. Earlier you told the story about being 12 years old and attending a Garth Brooks concert and deciding then that that's what you wanted to do with your life. Share with the audience about something that would happen in your career regarding the song A Woman Like You and how it pulled everything together from that dream that you embraced when you were 12 years old. Oh, man, it was it was a super cool day. We, it was uh, it was actually the the top 10 songs I wish I had written award. Ah. It was it was done. They always do that award in the uh at this in the same night that they induct a new hall of fame member to the songwriters hall of fame and that night it was kim williams and tony arada and tony arada famously wrote the dance by himself for garth brooks and kim williams famously wrote tons of garth brooks songs <laughs> <laughs> so the MC for the night was Garth Brooks. And uh, it's, a, I mean, we're talking a small banquet hall. Like this was not like we're in an arena or a big, you know, this mm. was, there was only a few hundred people there. Wow. And actually my, my, my later to be wife was also there too, which we didn't know. Me and Heidi were in the same room so many times and never <laughs> talked to each other over the 10 years. And we're just like, oh, if we'd have met then or then or then or then, right? Um, but, uh, Garth ended up being the MC and I got to stand on stage with him and take a big picture. And it was me and then Trisha and Garth in the back row of this picture. And, wow. and I now, so really cool to be in that situation. Super, super cool to be in that situation, but I didn't actually get to talk to Garth. Mm. And at the end of the event, um, I was going to go up and be like, cause I, uh, here's my in. He, he knows I wrote this song. Yeah. You know, he knows I'm a peer kind of yeah. <laughs> as much of a peer as you can be of Garth. <laughs> and, uh, 
And I'm like, this is would be really cool to meet him on these terms, you know. And then the whole room lined up to meet him. Oh, boy. And I was like, oh, oh you know, I was like, oh, I could get in the back of the line and be a handshake. And I was like, you know, this was really cool. Uh, I, I got I got this experience. I'm uh, I'm just going to wait for another one <laughs> years later. Chris Young's opening for Garth Brooks in the swamp in Gainesville mm. for 80 something thousand people. And Chris let me ride the bus down with him. And I got to be backstage <laughs> on the side stage for a massive Garth Brooks Whoa. concert. So, Whoa. yeah, it, it was it was pretty awesome. But um, and I'm kind, I'm kind of glad I waited until then. And, and uh, yeah, it was it, that whole I mean, it, the dreams really do come true, especially if you manage your dreams. Well, that's the other part is your dream can't be mm. ridiculous like at my meeting Garth um, wasn't even part of my dream. You know what I right, mean? It was just right. a icing on the cake. My dream really the whole time has has been I, I, I like to sing songs. Initially, it was covers. I started singing songs and I saw what it did to people. I saw that it affected them in a, in a, in a positive way. And I knew what songs did for me when I was going through tough times in life. They songs fixed me when I was broken, yeah, you know, or yeah. they broke me when I needed to be fixed. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I loved music and I, and it, it was more than just the music. It was the writing. It was the crafting done by the writers. And I learned to appreciate that later on. And, um, so all I ever really liked to do the, the whole point of it, it wasn't fame or being on stage. That was my least favorite part of that. Cause I'm an introvert who's terrified of, of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it was, it was giving to other people what was given to me when I needed it, right? Mm. And and that was that was really at the core of it. That was my my real dream, yeah. and um, and I got said. to do that. Yeah. And I get to do that all the time. Yeah. I get to do it all the time. Nicely and, said. Yeah, nicely said. And folks, if you're new to now hear this entertainment, maybe you just came to this episode because you know Johnny and you want to hear his interview. Obviously, I would love if you'd go back and listen to some other episodes and hopefully become a regular listener of the show. But I'll tell you, the most popular episode ever of this podcast is episode 24 from my first year of doing the show when the guest was Johnny Garcia, who is the lead guitar player for Garth Brooks. Oh, yeah. So I will put a link to that on the episode for Johnny Bulford on NHTE.net if you want to go back and listen to my conversation with Johnny Garcia way back when. We're going to close today with another one of Johnny's original songs called If It Were Up To Me. Before I let you go and I play that track, though, Johnny, share with the audience first all about this track, if you would, please. So, yeah, this is me and Heidi doing a, a love duet. We've got a we've got a bunch of those uh, for sure. This one, this one's just about uh, it, when we met each other, uh, the, 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 the thought process we had is if it was up to me, I'd be it for you. This is it. If it was if it, it was us sharing with each other that if you're down I'm down. Let's do this for everything, right? <laughs> that's fantastic. And that's a it's a very nice bow to wrap around the show because we just came full circle with the Garth Brooks story. And now you kind of come full circle with how the two of you met and you became a duo musically together. And now you have the song that, that really encapsulates what you had talked about earlier in terms of how and when the, the two of you met. 
Johnny, wonderful to have you on the show. I'll be looking forward to meeting you and Heidi in person at the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival. Thank you so much for making time to be on Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you bet. You bet. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Johnny Bulford. Do visit his official website at johnnybulford.com. Again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. There is lots to see once you land on his website, but again, a little shortcut is to use the Instagram logo there to go to that social media channel so you can access the link tree that will give you a whole list of options. Access to the Twitch channel you heard him talking about, a link to Spotify to follow on that platform and stream a lot of the music you've been hearing him talk about, plus a link to the Johnny and Heidi website so you can access the list of dates and locations where you can go see them perform live. They will be all the way out in California in July, as well as, as you heard us talk about, in Alabama at the second Lake Martin Songwriters Festival. Do engage on social media and tell Johnny that you heard him and his music I Now Hear This Entertainment. I should add to something I mentioned earlier when I talked about starting a podcast. That opportunity to get a private one-on-one online video consultation with me might also be for the family member, the friend, the neighbor, the coworker, the bandmate who you know that has talked about starting a podcast rather than yourself. Either way, I'm happy to share with you all that I've been fortunate to learn in my more than eight years of podcasting. Now Hear This Entertainment is in the top 2% most popular shows out of more than 2.8 million podcasts globally and has gotten listeners from 155 countries around the world. Let me share with you how I've done all this and the steps that you can take to have a successful show and a fun experience. Email me via podcast at nhte.net. And let's get online together to get you moving with podcasting. That's going to do it for episode 433. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Johnny Bulford. This is the one you just talked about. It's called If It Were Up To Me. Yeah, I know when you know you know it's cliche But they ain't just empty words old people say Like we've never known Forever, never alone So you and me When that sweet heavenly symphony Calls us home If it were up to me What we found Is something only for Why it's your hand I'm holding Your perfection, darling So if it were up to me I'd be it for you We wouldn't be questioning anything Baby, we'd fall into A love like we've never known Forever
If it were 